Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, oftentimes it's good, but particularly so um, for this particular passage, to set the scripture within uh, the surrounding context of the narrative that is going on. This story about the transfiguration, it's coming fairly late in Mark's gospel. In fact, it appears, the transfiguration story appears immediately after Jesus has taken his disciples away to Caesarea. And he has asked them, who do people say that I am? And the response is varying. Some people say you're Elijah, for Elijah was to come before the appearing of the Messiah. And so some people say you're Elijah, some people say you're somebody else or a prophet. Um, And then Jesus turns to them, to his disciples, and asks them, yes, but who do you say that I am? And, of course, we remember that it is Simon Peter who blurts out, you're the Messiah, Um, But he's still thinking in earthly terms. He's still thinking about a Messiah who will come and uh, kick out the Roman forces who have come and taken over Israel. And uh, because immediately after he has proclaimed Jesus as Messiah, Jesus tells his disciples for the first of three times that now they've made that statement, he's going to be able to tell them the fullness of what it means to be Messiah. For he then says, I'm going to Jerusalem where I will be handed over and put to death. And so that's the context of Messiahship for Jesus. And of course, uh, Peter, still thinking in earthly terms, no, heaven forbid it, Lord. And there's that wonderful exchange between Peter and Jesus. And then he ends that whole dialogue by saying, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Until they see the kingdom of God come with power. For the kingdom of God is broken in with Jesus and they've seen some working of power but they still see Jesus through earthly eyes and so then we hear that after six days Jesus took them up just three of them Peter James and John and he led them up a high mountain by themselves it's just the three of them Peter James and John six days after all of this has taken place. And we're reminded maybe of six days of creation, the seventh day of the Sabbath, but also that seventh day becomes the first day of new creation. And this is a a foretelling, a foreshadowing, or a foreviewing, really, of what that will look like. Because as they're up there on this mountain, 
all of a sudden, the veil is drawn back. It's not so much that a vision came. It's that the heavenly dimension that is parallel with the earthly dimension, with a veil between the two, that the veil is actually drawn back so that Peter, James, and John can see Jesus, not just in his earthly form, but all of his glory. Um, the glory of God shining forth through Jesus can be seen. Whiter, we read, than anything could bleach any fabric. It is stunningly white. Glorious to behold. That's what we've been singing in all of these wonderful hymns, that, we, that they see Jesus, but he's not alone. And with him, and they're not, you know, oftentimes we see the paintings of the transfiguration and they're kind of there in a row, but they're conversing. He is in sweet conversation with Moses and Elijah. Um, so as the, as the veil is opened, these three disciples see with their earthly eyes the heavenly dimension. The, the, the veil that is before our eyes has been drawn back for these three disciples and they see the reality of who Jesus is in the fullness of his glory. And who do we have? But we have Moses and Elijah representing the entirety of the Old Testament. Moses, of course, representative of the Old Covenant law, the Torah, he came down the mountain, remember, with the Ten Commandments. And that was necessary, as Paul says in his letter to the Galatians. He said, so that the law was our custodian. It, it kept us until Christ came, that we might be justified then by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under custodian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So here is Moses who has gone before Jesus with the old covenant. And remember, of course, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, You have heard that it is said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, I, who can say that, who can redo the covenant, who can reconfigure the covenant, the Torah, except God himself who first put it in place. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, you shall not hold on to anger. You shall not be angry because he who is anger in his heart has done murder. And so he deepens, he goes deeper still into the Torah, into the law. For he is the fulfillment of the law in his own person, no longer tablets of stone, but a living in fleshed uh, law, living and breathing amongst them. And then, of course, we hear afterwards that that same law, living and breathing through God's Holy Spirit, is placed on our hearts. And then Elijah. Elijah, we heard that wonderful story today. Uh, Moses was taken up immediately into heaven, as was Elijah. Elisha saw him going. Uh, the horsemen, the chariots of Israel, uh, the fire, the horses of fire being taken away. So Elijah is representative of all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament prophets who spoke truth to their generation, who kept 
kept calling back. God used the prophets to keep calling the people back to his ways. They had strayed from God's path, and so he used all of the prophets to speak into their generation, to pull them back to the ways of God, uh, to come back unto, into that wonderful relationship. But they didn't only do that. They also spoke words about the Messiah who was to come. If anybody had ears to hear further on and to say, so the prophets foretold. So this is kind of the Old Testament encapsulated who spoke about the coming Messiah. Peter has just in his earthly way revealed that he believes that Jesus is Messiah. Now on the mountaintop, the reality of that messiahship, his glory, that he is, yes, man, but the glory of God shines through him. In today's reading from the epistle to the Corinthians, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine it? And some of us, in, you know, confronted with that, would just be absolutely gobsmacked. You know, we couldn't say a word. Peter, on the other hand, and some of us are like the Peter, we start babbling nonsense. You know, blah, 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 blah. What, what do we do? And so, well, let's just think of something. I know, we'll put a shrine in place here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. <coughs> and his is kind of terrified and babbling to to just say something, anything. God's voice comes out of the cloud. And of course, we're immediately taken back to the Exodus story where God was with Israel in all of their wilderness wanderings in the cloud. And, he, and it also takes us back with these very words, this is my son, the beloved Listen to him. Takes us back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry at his baptism in the Jordan by John the Baptist when the dove descended and those same words were spoken. So at the beginning of his ministry and now closing on to the end because he will indeed at this point go on to the darkness of Jerusalem. He takes his disciples with him into that darkness of Holy Week and Good Friday and the excruciating long time of Holy Saturday while he is in the tomb. And so this is for them. It's to give them that glimpse of heaven's dimension that even now is parallel to this earthly dimension. You know, the, the veil was drawn back for Paul on the Damascus Road, right, where he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus himself, um, not just a vision. The, the veil is drawn back, and he sees and he speaks to Jesus, and he is never the same again. And he goes on and he goes through all kinds of things and continues to preach that good news because the veil was drawn back from heaven's dimension and earth's dimension and he looked through, not only did he look through, he touched and he spoke with Jesus. And it was that, going back and grabbing onto that, that allowed him to go forward 
in the face of so much coming against him to continue to spread the gospel. It's happened to some of you. I know that. I know because you've shared the stories with me that that veil is moved aside for a minute. One of you shared with me about seeing Jesus in the chapel several years ago. I'll let them down the road share that story with you. It's the thin place. It's the thin prayed-in place where all of a sudden our eyes see the different realm. Because heaven's dimension, of course, is where God dwells because God is spirit. But the pall that has been set over the whole world by the enemy prevents us from seeing with those spiritual eyes all of the time the reality of that which is here. Sometimes we hear. Sometimes we hear the angels sing. Sometimes we see the angels and that veil is drawn back. Sometimes that veil is drawn back in in thin places, other thin places where the veil gets very thin, places like Holy Island, Lindisfarne, Iona in Scotland and Northumberland. There are other holy places where the veil gets very thin. Sometimes that veil gets really thin out away from the city lights where you get out into the mountains, into the clear, crisp air of the mountains and the clear mountain lakes, and you look up at nighttime and see stars that you didn't even ever see before because of the haze of electric light over cities. And there's just this sense that, yes, heaven's realm is really close, and this is the creator who created all. Because in actual fact, with Jesus... God's kingdom, his heaven's reign, his heavenly rule, his way of being has intersected into this place. It has broken in. So this transfiguration is given to the disciples so that they can hang on to it. They're not to share it. They're not to share it immediately. They will only tell this story at the other side of the resurrection at the other side of the crucifixion after Jesus is resurrected. But they're given it to go into the dark valley. They're given it so that in the dark valley, they can remember the mountaintop. They can remember the light that they saw and the truth that they saw on the mountain. And it's not just for them. It's for us as well. Beloved, are the dark valleys that you're going through? Is the grief that you're walking through? Are there health issues that you're walking through? Financial problems that you're going through? Relationships that have been strained? It feels like you're at the bottom of a dark valley. Are you struggling? Know this, beloved, there's a mountaintop and we've seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He has defeated death and, beloved, he can surely overcome anything that you are going through in the valley. And he will bring you once again into a good and pleasant land. 
strengthening you for the road ahead, and so that you may likewise share that good news that alone can pierce through the veil, the good news of Christ, so that we are strengthened to share that good news, so that the veil may be drawn back for others who need to know the glory of the Lord shining forth from the mountaintop, revealing the one and only who shines light into your darkness and the world's darkness. Amen.